Welcome to One Weird Trick, a podcast giving advice for better living. Your hosts, Aaron and Cecily, have zero legal, medical, or psychological qualifications to give advice. Please consider any advice you receive from them as being from well-meaning, but human and imperfect friends. Please consult actual professionals for any serious legal, medical, or mental help you may need. And now, here's Cecily and Aaron. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to One Weird Trick, that show where everyone seeks and shares ways we can be healthier, happier, and more connected. We have a great show for you this week. First up, Cecily's going to be dishing one weird trick to share your interest with your partner and how you... Sorry, I'm hyping myself up. (laughs) (laughs) My interests don't feel very supportive, Cecily. (laughs) And how you can, in turn, support them. Then I, Aaron, will be talking about couples gaming and also families gaming and even singles gaming. All right. Here's what I got. So I've seen, I was thinking about, there was a couple of stories that I read on Reddit recently, or maybe it's Twitter. I don't know. The Am I the Asshole subreddit. I'm sure you're familiar. Mm. Spoiler alert, most people are assholes in there. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I saw two stories this week that were of opposite ends of the spectrum. Um, And lo and behold, Cecily is about to talk about Animal Crossing again. Ah. Um, So there's one story of... Uh, a child man who whose girlfriend was a kind of a passive gamer and she just liked playing games that her boyfriend was playing so they could do things together and she knew that animal crossing was coming out soon and she wanted to share an island with the guy but they also had to share their switch somehow and he just was not having it hmm like absolutely not why can't she just get her own game and she's so upset at me she doesn't understand and then there was a there's another post from a young woman who had gotten into like a fight with her boyfriend over sharing the switch for Animal Crossing. No, for something else. Because <laughs> I've I've often wondered how often that happens on like r slash relationships. You actually are seeing two sides of the same thing. Right. On, oh, know, yeah. Like, like two the same story. <laughs> passing in the night. <laughs> <laughs> well, this woman uh, was happy to share a game. Uh-huh. She took a shower. And then when she got out, her boyfriend was playing the game on her switch and he just absolutely undid all the work she put into no. it. Ripped up her flowers, cut down her trees. She and little brothered him? He little brothered she, I mean, her. He little brothered her? Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, with just was absolutely oblivious to why that is something that just... Bullshit. That just absolutely destroyed her. Like, oh, it's just a game. And Oh, my God. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's technically just a game, but that was her favorite game. Right. And this is something that she takes immense pride in and gets a lot of fulfillment out of. And you right. undid it because you just didn't respect your partner's interest to understand uh-huh. why it was important to her or what she was doing. So that's where I come in <laughs> as someone who has myself put over probably around 200 hours into an Animal Crossing game. It's, uh, you know, it means a lot. It means something to her. So I was trying to think of what was happening here. And, you know, in both of these instances, just not respecting and fundamentally not understanding your partner's passions is the problem. Uh, This may sound simple, but I like simple and I like simplifying things. It makes it easier for me to process, at least. Um, And I'm also going to continue to use Animal Crossing as an example here. But, you know, imagine the person in your life that this applies to and replace it with your own thing like cars or horses or warhammer 40k (laughs) the 
trick here is to just respect and acknowledge the things that your partner is into. Because presumably you love this person or it's, you know, a coworker or a friend or family, someone that you want to know better. And you can have that to bond over. You might end up also being really into it. And you guys can bond over that too. And you'll even have a lot more to talk about after you get your own switch, that is. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it kind of sounds like faking it until you make it. But for me, it's about coming from a place of, you know, genuine interest and respect for that person that you'd want to know more about what they're into. Um, You know, if you see they're into a thing, get into the thing too. You can cheer them on or help them when they need it. And they will come away feeling more respected and seen as a person. And it works vice versa. You know, if you do, if you put in this amount of effort, then that person will put in that amount of effort into being interested in what you're into as well. You know, just respect. Everyone wants to feel seen and heard. And I feel like that's an important trick. Yeah, I, I, um, I often see guys lament the fact that women don't take interest in their thing, whatever they're into, whether it's sports or video games or cars or, I don't know, baking, uh, show tunes. Uh, <laughs> but they lament that, like, you know, women don't are never interested uh, in what they do. But then they I hear them like on in voice chat video games continually belittling everything that his their their significant others are doing like oh you're gonna go watch the bachelor oh you're gonna you know it's gonna go needlepoint or i don't know i'm throwing a bunch of stereotypical uh lady things out there we're talking in generality so that's fine but i think that i've i've had a lot of success and i don't understand why people don't because i think what you just said about you know doesn't cross people's mind the idea that there is an enjoyment to appreciating something through someone else's eyes, even if you don't appreciate it. Right. That's like, a great way to put uh, it. this isn't my thing, but why do you like it? And ask questions and kind of watch a little bit. Like, I've gotten into so many cool things by following that, like show tunes, honestly. Right. Um, going to see a play, I was not into that at all as like an 18, 19 year old, but a woman that I was with was really into it. And I went to a couple and like asked some questions, read some like critic reviews of the thing. I was going to see so I could appreciate oh because some things you know um, it's like uh, if someone hands you a glass of the fucking peatiest scotch and that's your first introduction to scotch and you drink it and it's like oh my god it feels like I'm drinking dirt flavored kerosene uh, you probably won't have a very good scotch experience, but if someone actually gave... Right, fa- and you'll upset that person who just gave you their favorite scotch because right. you weren't really trying there, right. and you immediately go to insulting. Right, So, but if you try to take the opportunity to be like, you know, what's a good beginner scotch? How can I... Like, maybe you still won't appreciate it the same way they do, but you'll be able to understand and converse and... Um, you know, if you extend that cur- uh, uh, curiosity and courtesy to someone, they'll probably extend it back to you. And if they don't, then that's just a relationship problem. Right. You know, like that's that's you're, you're back to just like, you know, well, maybe your partner doesn't care about you or maybe they're. Um, and the other thing to keep in mind is like not everyone's going to be into everything, you know. Right. Like, yeah. I mean, I like to think of it as being kind of like a cheerleader for that person. Yeah. Like you are on the sidelines and the least you can do is just wear the right colors to show you're on their team. It doesn't mean you have to get out there and play, but if you know what's happening while they're playing, that's it's even better. 
Yeah, and it could be simple things like, you know, I pay attention to like social media posts and stuff about Animal Crossing. So when I see an in-joke, I try to figure out, you know, why it's funny. Or I'll ask Cecily. It's like, you know, what's up with this raccoon? So she can explain to me like the relationship so then I can appreciate the jokes and I start, you know, texting her to jokes and she texts me stuff. And it's, you know, it's... Yeah, same with like a lot of... I mean, video games is a good one, like Destiny or, you know, I mentioned Warhammer 40K. Those are things that I have... um, I'm I'm kind of interested in, but not enough to really dive into the lore and everything. Mm-hmm. But you know, like you said, it gives us something to talk about, and it's really it's interesting. It's interesting to see you passionate about it. Yeah, because if you don't do that, eventually, what will happen is more and more portions of your lives will be carved away from each other, and that's fine because people need alone time too. But like at certain point, you'll find if you don't take any interest in what they do, and they don't take any interest in what you do, and you grow out of like the mutual interests that brought you together. I mean, eventually you're going to drift apart. So keeping engaged with the things that make your other partner happy um, is good. Good trick. Yeah. But again, same thing for like uh, coworkers or people that you want to become friends with. It's an easy way to make friends. Just go outside of your comfort zone and learn something new. Better yourself by bettering each other. Indeed. Speaking of shared interests, uh, I want to talk about cuffed up quarantine couples gaming uh but it's also applicable i've got some advice for people that with families and also people who are single um so we're cooped up we've been cooped up for a while if you're in the most parts of the united states uh and this week is uh, everyone's been talking about states possibly relaxing their restrictions uh i know to some people they're all for it and there's some people who are very skeptical for you know good reasons um, but the reality is, um, maybe some people are going to have to go back and do their jobs with their mask on because they don't have any other alternative. But I also think that for a long time, probably the, the rest of this year and maybe on into the next, people are going to be kind of skeptical and cautious about going out and doing things, going to a dinner, going to a movie, going to a club and sweating and dancing right in people's faces. Uh, so what are we going to do to survive this? I mean, you can go outdoors you can go out hiking, go biking, mm-hmm. but there's plenty of fun things you can do as a couple and as a family that's super fun, namely games of the video uh, and board game variety. I'm going to talk about video games this week. Maybe next week, if people are interested, I can do a little rundown of uh, co-op board games that you can try. Uh, and also everything I'm saying here is also applicable if you are a single person, because I've got a lot of single friends that I keep in touch with, like various video chat things. Um, like I've been playing some games on Saturday nights with my friends in Seattle through discord. Uh, a lot of these things you can either explicitly just form a party and chat automatically through the, like, you know, PlayStation or Xbox interface. Uh, but if you're on a PC, you can use discord or you can download discord to your cell phone. And then you can have multiple people in that, like playing one game remotely, uh, and still, you know, sharing that camaraderie. Or some games, chat. some games, if uh, if you're like PC and your friend only has a PlayStation 4, some games allow for cl- cross-play. Mm-hmm. So you can talk to each other through Discord that way, too. It's worth exploring. So there's a couple of things you can do. And like I know that like uh, not everyone's into video games, but in, in uh, the spirit of the previous One Weird Trick, I've divided these things up in kind of like progressive stages, where if you have a partner that has not done any video games at all, how can you get them kind of interested? How can you teach them the joy of gaming all the way to like hardcore? Uh, well, I don't think I go too hardcore. If you're a hardcore gamer and you both are, you know, fucking tearing up League of, League of you Legends. Don't, you or don't de- need our help. Yeah. You don't need my help. <laughs> so 
The first is the idea of a single player co-op. So this is a game that is only designed for one person to hold controller and play. But because it's slow paced or it's puzzle oriented, it's something where you can do what we call couch co-op was just pass the controller back and forth to each other. Or one person can watch and be like the spotter, observer, suggester, and the other person's actually the one that's struggling with the controller. Like the little brother? Like the, it can be like little brother mode. Um, one game I think would be really good for this is a game called Witness which is a very minimalist game. You essentially wake up in this featureless room and you have like a puzzle that uses symbology and you have to slide things around and make connections to unlock a door that then opens up a larger room that then you figure out how to escape from. It's like a, it's like a giant escape room. And as you go, there's like little discs you can pick up and play some audio and you can kind of piece together a little bit of a plot, but it's all essentially logic. Um, puzzles mm-hmm. um and they use the environment in couple uh, in really cool ways like one of the challenging ones where there's like a grid with little dots and you had to like connect your paths um and some of them didn't have any connected path but if you paid attention the shadows from the trees like played over the board and those shadows would form the connections mm-hmm. so you'd wait until the timing's right it was really really neat if you like those kind of like the really struggle like with progressively harder some of them you have to raise and lower like water levels and do a lot of environmental interaction to solve them but it's a lot of fun it's a beautiful game uh, another one is the portal games the first portal game is a single player and the plot of it is a uh, malevolent AI has put you in a test chamber and you have to go from chamber to chamber and the way you progress is you have this gun that allows you to open an entrance portal and an exit portal and that's the only mechanic in the game you can jump and shoot a portal on a wall or floor or a ceiling and another one you step in one side you come out the other um, and it seems simple, but there is a whole lot of game to that. That's a lot of fun. Uh, there's also some, some story oriented ones like, uh, a game called Oxenfree, mm. uh, Transistor, The Last of Us, Uncharted, where they're essentially movies. Uh, the first two are kind of moody psychological thriller type games. And the last two are, um, uh, one's an action horror and one's just an action adventure, like an Indiana Jones games. And those are going to be a lot of fun for the person to just watch and like see the story unfold. Um, watch your partners back as they're playing. Uh, and then the final one is Life is Strange, um, which is... Man, how would I describe this? This is a game where you just walk around. You're a high schooler and there is a girl that's gone missing at your high school. And you walk around and talk to your teachers and your fellow students and you can pick things up, clues, and you just kind of investigate it. I think they came out with a number two that has a different story, too. There is. And the the, the hook of it is your character has a power that they can rewind time. Mm. So when you get into trouble, you can then rewind time to the point where you messed up and then change your actions. And that's a lot of fun. Me and Jim played that entire thing through as a club feature over at Bald Move. Next step up is multiplayer cooperative play, which is this is explicitly everyone's got something to do and uh, you've got a game and you're all in the same game world doing stuff. Uh, first up is Pokemon Go. This is a game that you play on your cell phone and you uh, it's uh, tied to your GPS and you walk around your neighborhood and like Pokemon spawn on your screen and you can throw Pokeballs to catch them and you can go to there's like real parts in the world like firehouses and statues and uh, mostly churches churches in our, na- <laughs> in our na- neighborhood where they have gyms built up where you can go and battle other trainers and raid against powerful Pokemon. It's very cute. It's very fun. Yeah. And they've released a lot of updates so you can play from home. Because mm-hmm. it's a very much about community. 
Yeah, yeah. Um, and something that me and Cecily like to do is like we like to, you know, uh, go on Poke Walks where we go try po- uh, catch Pokemon together. Then we trade Pokemon to try to make it more powerful. It's just a fun little cute collection game. Uh, then you've got Stardew Valley, which is kind of a farming simulator. And it's just very cute, very pixel. Like you got little chubby cheeks, pigs and cows and chickens and you can grow crops and you got to water them. And then some person can go to the mine and get minerals. So you can make better water sprinklers and you can expand your house and cook food. Me and Jim and Alexis and Cecily all played a four player game that was amazing. Um, and it's, we and Cecily have had a lot of game. We, we, we put in a couple hundred hours in that game easy. <laughs> yeah. uh, step above that is Minecraft, which is a first person, which means you have to you're actually in your player's eyes. And you have to look around and move around. But that is a really cool game that you can like uh, you go and punch a tree until it falls down into pieces of wood. And then you can make a shovel and dig into the dirt and mine stone and then turn that into a furnace and then you start smelting metal and it's just like a really cool and everything's built out of these little cubes like Legos. Mm -hmm. You can build houses and there again you can start farming, you can capture wild pigs, lure them back to pens, start breeding them so they have little baby pigs Uh, and that's a lot of fun. Then Portal 2 is the sequel to Portal which has an explicit co-op mode where instead of the human being tortured by the AI, you're two robots. And you can help each other out with portals. Um, and that's a lot of fun. And then finally, well, not finally, we haven't gotten to, we're about halfway there. Uh, here's some four player co-ops that are good for families. Wait, so you can have up to wh- four people playing in a game. Where does Animal Crossing fall on these lists? That That's a single player, isn't it? No, you can do everything. You can do single player, you can do like multiplayer. So just going to drop it right Cecil here in the like middle. would like to recommend <laughs> Animal Crossing. For the cutest time you'll ever have. As a cooperative game. Uh, Four-player games are good for any family. A lot of these games are also older, um, so they're like rarely over 20 bucks. Any Lego game. Any Lego game Mm -hmm. is a party on wheels, and it's super fun to play with little kids because there's really no way to fail. You can't... Your character dies, and he kind of like bursts into parts, but he comes right back. I don't think there's even lives that you can spend. There's score, but it doesn't matter. I love these games because... I am one of those people who has to touch everything and break everything that's in the scenes and mm-hmm. everything responds. It's yeah. just so satisfying Yeah, you can break things down and build them up mm-hmm. to f- solve puzzles. And it's 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 really fun. Little Big Planet is a little side scroller that involves these little sock puppets. Um, and I mean, it's just relentlessly cute aesthetic. Like the graphics are as if someone had handcrafted everything. Like the buildings are made out of cardboard boxes and like your dude's got yarn hair and you can get these adorable little patchwork costumes it's, for yeah. them. So uh, I think that's the first game Jack and I beat together. He was three years old mm-hmm. and it was super fun. Uh, Castle Crashers is like what you call beat em up where you're a little cartoon knight and you can upgrade your weapons and your shields and your arrows and there's magic spells and you go and there's like little cute cartoon skeletons you got to beat and cartoon bad guys. Uh, there's a giant cat that's like the size of a five story building that chases you through uh, a, 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 a woods, a forest scene. It's a lot of fun. Um, Lovers in a dangerous space time mm. is where up to four players can pilot a circular spaceship and like one person can drive one person can move the engines one person can shoot the guns there's two gunner spots right yeah i think you can actually upgrade it to four and then there's a shield person and you all have to kind of like 
play this round robin where it's like, oh, we're under attack. Go to the guns. Oh, no, something. Lava is filling the tube. You got to get someone's got to get on the driving wheel and get us out of here. Someone rotate the shields. And it's chaotic and a lot of fun and a very cute aesthetic. And then finally, um, Overcooked, which is a game where up to four people can work a small kitchen to make burritos, spaghetti, salads. You got to chop up the lettuce. You got to chop up the tomatoes. You got to put them on the plate. You got to serve it to people. You got to take the dirty dishes and you got to and, and everyone's got a little role they play. And it can it can be really fun, chill experience. And it can get a little Gordon Ramsay hell kitchen at times. <laughs> it really can. Which brings me to the next uh, a type of co-op game which I affectionately call buddy fuckers <laughs> yeah these games you're supposed to play together but because the mechanics don't prevent you from shooting each other or stepping on each other's heads or stealing each other's power ups it leads to buddy fucking game moments <laughs> uh, all the new Super Mario Brothers Mario World 3 for Wii Wii U Switch those all pass and I'm going to actually include a link to Cecily and I like infamously buddy fucking <laughs> each other and in, in, in one of each those games other it's mostly me. Actually, it's mostly the game. I was playing on autopilot as I was laughing my head off. Rayman Legends is a really good, colorful uh, co-op buddy fucker experience. Keep talking and nobody explodes is two player. One person is trying to disarm a bomb that the other person cannot see. But the other person has a manual that you print out on a printer. or You can use like a PDF on your phone where it's a bomb diffuser manual. So the person has to describe to you the bomb they're seeing. And you have to turn to the page that says like, oh, here's a bomb with six wires. And is there a black wire? What's the serial number on the bomb? How many batteries does it have? You tell them which wire to cut. Yeah, the, that game I've is actually essentially like infinite number of players yeah but it's just like two sides so you yeah. could have a bunch of people with a manual and one person trying to diffuse or you can have two diffusers and two bomb uh, two bomb manual people it's a lot of fun i got a link to me and jack playing 30 seconds of that on on the, the news post too and then finally uh hell divers okay i was hoping you'd go to hell divers which is a game where you are like these space troopers that land on these insanely dangerous worlds that are infested with these giant bug monsters or cyborg horrors and you have to survive to do different objectives and the funny thing is is like all the fire is friendly so like if a giant bug pops up behind your buddy and you blazer it down and he's between you then you just killed your buddy he's dead too you can also when you summon equipment it orbitally drops and there's a timer to it so you lose track of it so you're like you summoned a a, a new rifle <laughs> 10 seconds ago and it's right on top of your buddy and the thing just plasters them just flattens them to the ground and then there's vehicles you can stomp on each other and run each other over. It's it's hilarious, but also uh, can get it to be a little bit much. Yeah, if you have uh, high blood pressure and anger issues, maybe maybe yeah. that's not going to help you relax. <laughs> and then there's lots of PvP stuff. You know, uh, Mario Kart, super fun. Uh, Gang Beasts is a really fun kind of uh, multiplayer beat 'em up where you play these like little blob things and you can punch and throw each other. Uh, and then Spy Party. Uh, where two players take turns. One is a, a spy hunter with a sniper rifle observing this party situation, and the other person is a spy. And a spy has to move around this party and like plant bugs on people and like swap out statues and microfilms from libraries. And the spy has to carefully watch everyone at the party to see who's doing suspicious stuff. And before the time runs out, shoot somebody. And if you shot the right person, you win. If you shoot the wrong person, the spy wins. Or if you don't catch the spy before he gets his objectives. That's a lot of fun, too. So just because we're all cooped up inside, if you want to broaden out your horizons and try some of these games, I try to pick ones that I think are really accessible 
and things that are not like super grim dark and like you know there's a lot of like very cute fun aesthetic games for families and stuff uh Mm -hmm. to try out yeah great recommendations so now we've shared a couple weird tricks with you it's time to pivot to the advice section of our show if you would like to, you can send us uh, requests for advice or advice that you think would be good for people that have been on the show before. You can do that by sending email to OWT at SwizzBold.com. And we have a few petitioners. Cecily, would you like to consider the first one? Sure. Our first one is some feedback from our last episode from <laughs> we've affectionately named here. All about that ace user number four. Mm-hmm. They say, I was just listening to your Vanguardians of Sex episode and Aces High email really struck a chord with me. I wanted to preface by saying I'm a 30-year-old female and I've had several sexual relationships all with men, but I can count on one hand the number of times I have actually wanted to have sex. I've often felt like something must be wrong with me or I must not have ever found the right person. Over the past several years, I've wondered if I'm actually asexual and maybe that's why I've always felt this way. Sex has never been a priority to me, and it has caused contention in a lot of my relationships. I've never talked about this with anyone, but it's so refreshing to hear someone who maybe feels the same way. The confusion because you still are interested in romance and being unsure, maybe even what it is you actually want, is exactly how I feel. I too often find myself being afraid I will be alone forever because of this. I do think just finding someone I can connect with deeply is what I really want at the end of the day. Don't we all just want to be seen and understood? Yes, thank you. Um, I'm not sure what I'm getting at with all this, but I really just wanted Aces High to know he's not alone and also how much I appreciate you guys reading the email. It was a light bulb moment for me and made me feel seen. Being seen and uh, understood is yeah. really important. So. Glad, glad we could help with that. And we also got a little bit of feedback on our Reddit site over on r slash Swizzbold on Reddit uh, from Dr. Cynthia. Uh, wanted to chime in with our conversation about uh, sexuality. She says, I was sad to hear the listener who wrote in mentioned that asexuality can sometimes be part of an underlying mental health problem and suggested that one might pinpoint the reason why they're asexual. I've got a problem with this kind of thinking for a few reasons. First, asexuality is normal, just as homo, bi, and heterosexuality are normal. There are many factors that contribute to a person's sexual preferences, including biology and life experience, but that's the case with all preferences. To say that one should figure out the reason for their asexuality suggests that it's abnormal or dysfunctional or a problem that should be solved. We don't ask ourselves to figure out the reason we're straight, right? Preach. Secondly, asexuality, which is a continuum, is much more common than people think. And it's also unnecessary for folks like this listener to feel like an outlier because that makes them isolate and avoid making intimate connections when there are plenty of people out there with similar sexual blueprints. Third, we've got to get the word out to compulsory sexuality, the cultural assumption that everyone is defined by some kind of sexual attraction, just has no basis in the truth or is the true nature of the human condition. So I actually had a little back and forth with Dr. Cynthia because I wanted to make sure um, that I had got my messaging right. Because, you know, the, the what I said about like, oh, yeah, you know, see a therapist if you want to is that anyone tells me that they're feeling some kind of distress or stress or worry about something that they're thinking or feeling probably could see a therapist to talk about um, how to deal with that or maybe see a doctor because I I had this analogy on the subreddit where I said, you know, if someone came up and said, you know, I've never been able to taste food. Um, 
you know, there are rare conditions where people just don't have taste buds or they don't work properly or they process that uh, that scent stuff differently. Uh, and that's fine. You can live a whole f- perfectly valid life without tasting food. But what if there is a drug tr- th- d- uh, treatment or therapy that you could take to where you could suddenly taste things? You know, if you've never seen a doctor uh, and you feel like something's missing out, it's not it's, it wouldn't hurt you to do so. But I think that uh, it is important to understand that, like, it's not necessarily anything that needs to be cured or you don't have just like, you know, it's a perfect example. Straight people don't sit around wondering, God, gee, why, you know, why, why am I attracted to the opposite sex? It's just, oh, I got, you know what? It's because I saw, you know, Pam Anderson running on <laughs> Baywatch when I was three. And that was just it, it's it's just the part of who you are. And if it bothers you, then, yeah, go see someone to process that. Or, you know, if there's ways that because, you know, there's there's hormonal things, there's. Um, things in the past that can cause pre- people to be less inclined or less comfortable sex- sexually. But as Dr. Cynthia, who is a uh, sex therapist, as it turns out, uh, states nothing wrong with it and you don't need to be fixed. So I want to put that point of view out there for all the aces. Thanks, Dr. Cynthia. Whatever stripe they're listening. <laughs> all right. Our final email this week is from Outer Child. <laughs> Hello, my favorite couple that I've never met. Move over, Michael Penn and Amy Mann. I had to look that couple up. I did, too. <laughs> They're like a power songwriting couple. Yeah. Like consensus top 10 songwriters, or bo- both of them. Yeah. I was more familiar with them than I knew. And then I went down this YouTube rabbit hole, watching videos what of them together. What was Amy Mann's big song? Uh, sh- t- Till Tuesday's Voices Carry. Right, it's, it's the it's the hush hush something you know, I, and I always thought that the line was "This is scary." Yeah, so did I. So when you said "voices carry," I'm like, "What the hell is that?" And then you played like five seconds of it. I'm like, "Oh, oh yes, it's that one." <laughs> All right, one sentence digression. Let's see if we can make it through here. Over the course of the stay-at-home order in California, I've really taken the opportunity to do some great inner reflection. It's been great for me and great for my marriage. Uh, That's a healthy direction to take it. Mm -hmm. I think the most helpful piece came from one of my shrinks. Yes, one of my shrinks. Uh, Okay, here here we go. Here's another digression. I've been watching Sex in the City lately, doing a rewatch. You have. And Stanford says he has three therapists. One when he wants to be coddled, and then one for when he wants some tough love, and then one for like some other petty reason. And what was surprising to me is... This show, what was it, 20 years ago it came Mm. out? So much has changed. Mm. They go from smoking like chimneys and using house phones Mm -hmm. and Carrie in that episode coming down on the side of therapy is bad. Really? Yes. To wherever it landed, her getting jilted (laughs) in the movies. But with the cell phone in therapy. Yeah. So uh, I was just introduced to the concept of having multiple psychiatrists or psychologists. And I don't if, think like, it's even that like unusual. Like no. it's just like it's probably unusual because, you know, we've had so many people write in and be like, I can't even get one fucking therapist. And this person's got three. But like if you have a therapist, a psychiatrist prescribes your medicine yeah. and then maybe you have a couple like you're in single yeah. ther- you get a therapy for yourself, couples therapy, couples and therapy s- with Dr. Cynthia, the sex therapist and, and a psychiatrist. That's easy to rack up a couple. Yeah. And that's no more weirder than like I see my general practitioner but then if I have a weird issue you might send me to a podiatrist or an ear nose and throat specialist right. uh, skin doctor weight loss doctor OBGYN like, yeah if you got a if you got a big if you got a, a lot of need then you need a lot of support yeah 
Nothing wrong with that. What is wrong is coming down on the side of therapy is bad. <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, I, saw, I saw a take on that uh, in the wild on Twitter the other day. Really? This woman was saying that she was dealing something with the therapist and the guy came back. Of course, reply guy. Got to watch those therapists. They can get your head all twisted up. You just really need to die. You just need to watch what you eat, drink lots of water and meditate and you'll be fine. Was it Tom Cruise? No, it wasn't Tom Cruise. All right. Outer Child continues. I came up with that. We all have this inner kid that totally exists within our consciousness. It's certainly much more pronounced than some than others, probably depending largely on how you evenly escape childhood. In my case, an inability to process anger coming towards or out of me. Mm, I hear that. A frantic need to please when I'm under stress. Self-hatred and a finding ways to turn anything that I may be angry at into something that I have done wrong. I hear that too. On and on, you get my gist. So my one weird trick is to literalize that person, acknowledge them as an individual and talk to them. My shrink had me actually name him and I've done so. Theodore. I write him letters, examining his perspective and soothing it. I found that recognizing this part of my psyche for what it is has helped me recognize its role in my destructive patterns. Since I've started this acknowledgement over the last few weeks, I've seen an incredible reduction in my anxiety while existing in a particularly anxious period. In moments when I would have spiraled into my bad patterns, I'm beginning to feel his gears beginning to move and I've effectively caught myself in corrected situations. It isn't a fix at all and I don't catch it every time, but I'm only getting started and it's been so incredibly helpful. And you never will. You'll never catch 100% of the time. <laughs> You'll never be perfect. Uh, the, 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 just, just be easy. Take, take it easy on yourself and your inner child. Yeah. Uh, they continue. I don't know if this is for anyone else in the community. I mean, I'm a fucking mess. You saw the part about how I have more than one shrink, but I find it to be incredibly effective as someone who lives with a whole lot of childhood baggage. Yeah, agree. Hard agree with everything you've said. I think <laughs> coming to the conclusion that the overall theme of this episode is just being seen and seeing yourself and others. Yeah. Um. That's 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 a really great way to put it. I think I'm gonna try to contextualize some of my own things that way too yeah i saw like because uh, i think i mentioned this in one of the first episodes uh, something that really impacted me in the last few years is a video i saw the bill Hader recorded about anxiety anxiety and how he used to fight it and like curse it and like you know why i've got to write this skit why are you doing this to me and he started having more success when he visualized it as like a this kind of little fuzzy monkey that like you know chews on the back of his neck and when he feels it acting up uh you know he's like hey buddy what's going on you know what do you want to talk about it and instead of being harsh with it tried to come to a thing of understanding and i've read that since i saw that it's like one of that uh, that bias where you know someone says the word golf ball and then suddenly you see golf balls everywhere um (laughs) confirmation bias no it's something else it's some kind of something effect like when someone it's it's like uh, when someone says uh you know don't think about the word elephant or don't think about elephants and they say the word it's like you, you, or if you if you learn a word for the first time you start seeing it and hearing it oh everywhere. yeah those are all like forms of cognitive biases yeah i can't remember what the exact word for so else. many so, some there's like you know one fourth of the audience screaming it in their cars or whatever but um i started seeing that in other places too where people tar- started talking about your inner child and you know uh you've got like uh this this voice that's telling you you're going to fail or this is you're going to get hurt or you shouldn't try like that's not your enemy that's a person that's trying to protect you so what you need to do is reach out to that inner voice and like bring him onto your side it's like okay i hear you you're really worried about this and you think we're going to fail and if we fail that will be bad so let's just talk about that 
um, try to make allies of those critics. Um, and a lot of this, like, man, if you're out there and, and you're listening, you think this sounds like such stupid bullshit. I'm telling you, I felt the exact same way 15 years ago when I started like affirmations and some of this like visualization therapies and some of it feels very weird and really almost like religious and spiritual. Right. But the fact is no one really understands our brain and our consciousness and how all this stuff works. And so it's helpful to have a metaphor. Um, It's helpful to have a practice that, um, that that works regardless of understanding it because like uh you know words have power and like when our parents yelled at us for no reason or did made mistakes raising us some of that stuff like really imprinted on us on a deep level and it seems crazy but just by overcoming that by giving your saying positive things to yourself in a mirror um just like it does it doesn't make sense that something your teacher said to you 30 years ago can make you feel ashamed today it doesn't make sense that a positive thing that you say a ritual where you acknowledge and, and cherish and honor yourself every day could make you feel good for the rest of the day. But it fucking does. Right. It fucking does. So I really like this idea of visualizing, um, you know, like if you if you have unresolved feelings from your childhood or, you know, parental struggles or these insecurities that uh, uh, outer child is talking about here just visualizing that I've never heard. I've I've never thought about like vision that as a third party. Like I would think I would, I would like visualize as myself as a young person. Yeah. I wonder like little Aaron. Yeah. That's what this person's saying. They, they're like talking to their own inner child, Yeah, but they gave it a a name name. that wasn't their own. Right. Theodore. Um, so maybe that's a way to like, maybe that's healthier than actually literally thinking Talking it's your inner to yourself, child. Yeah. Especially like, if like self hatred's a problem then. Cause it's not you, right? It's a distorted view of you that you're carrying around. Right. So like if you maybe put your own moniker on it, that might reinforce it. Because yeah. again, you know, some of this stuff is a little, I'll, 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 I'll admit is a little uh, mystical. So yeah, for sure. You know, I, I needed a lot of help with that too. If I can just piggyback off that, I, you know, just having like affirmations, just things you say to yourself. I can't talk, look at myself in the mirror and be like, you're beautiful. It feels silly. Mm-hmm. But so I got myself and I'll probably include a link in the show notes, but I got myself a little affirmation card deck and they make all kinds of different ones. Like ones, I think this one's a little bit more millennial focus, but um, I know there are some that actually are spiritual, like angel cards that mm-hmm. have a prayer or something for the day, but they're affirmations that are delivered to you and they're different every day. And it's something that really helps me just kind of be in the moment and focus on a thing. And it's just, uh, like I said earlier, it simplifying things does make it easier. Once you kind of like make that connection, it feels so simple and so easy, but you have to allow yourself to do that. And while we're on quarantine, seems like a great time. Yeah. There's a lot of like, I remember when I was, uh, uh, a believer uh, as a theist, uh, there is the fruitages of the spirit, you know, love, joy, peace, kindness, goodness, faith, self-control, mildness. It's not let you work on that perfectly every day. It's like the idea was like, pick one. Like today yeah. I'm going to work on kindness Yeah, and I'm going to let some things slide. And like uh, AA has got a similar thing. It's like only for today or just for today. And there's like a little bookmark that has like 20 different things just for today. I'm going to try to not hold grudges or just for today. I'm going to try to not correct people who are wrong just for today. I'm going to try to accept myself for who I am. And it's just one. You're not trying to work on everything, but it's something you work. you, You pick something different each day. 
And if you do that as a daily practice, it's cumulative. It adds up. So you get better and better and better. And I assume that's how people like, you know, Mr. Rogers got the way they are. They started doing that at a very young age and just kept doing it until they're fucking transcendent, you know, appearing, yeah. uh, appearing to us as perfect, but, in, you know, obviously flawed. Yeah, uh, like Mr. Mr. Rogers says it's not you aren't just perfect. He's not a saint. It's work. This is work and practice. Something you have to do and have to keep up on. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it it can seem really overwhelming. Just everything floating in your head at once and just seeing this big picture. And it's I I feel that way a lot. So it helps to helps to ground yourself by focusing on one thing a day. And when you fail, be like you know it's it's okay there's always tomorrow you can try again Mm -hmm. it's it's uh you know like getting down on yourself like uh the outer child is talking about being trying to punish yourself for running yourself down subtly i find myself doing that a lot too Mm -hmm. um you know even this email it's like there's a couple times where you're you're taking shots at yourself buddy yeah Uh, and i do it too but it's something to another thing to kind of like oh man i just really ran myself down um but I don't know. It's funny because the more I learn about myself, the more I see, like, you know, when I hang out with my dad, I'm like, ah, oh, that's where I get mm-hmm. that. Uh, you know, because when my dad makes a mistake or embarrasses himself, he like goes way overboard apologizing. Like, oh, God, what an idiot I was. I can't even believe. And it's like it's probably a defense mechanism to ward off uh, a demanding parent. You yeah. Because by all accounts, my granddad is a real piece of work. Yeah. <laughs> a real I mean, taskmaster. It, I think it's helped me be a better step parent, honestly, too, is when I, you know, I look at Jack and I think about getting f- frustrated about he he's done this or he's done that, just like kid stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, it helps to remember what I was like at that age. Like, mm-hmm. no, he's not doing it to be an asshole. He did it because it just hasn't occurred to him yet. Like, he doesn't have this lifetime of experience that I do. He doesn't have that same demanding parent. I'll be damned if I'm going to be that person. Right. So, you know, thanks. Thanks, Outer Child. Appreciate it. That's a great way. Thanks, uh, Outer Child and Theodore, (laughs) for sharing your wisdom with us. All right, guys. Thanks, everyone who wrote in this week. Aaron will be back next week with another Three Right Turns. Then the week after that, we'll be back for another One Weird Trick. If you have any feedback for us, have any requests for weird tricks, or have any feedback on people we've heard from, you can email us at owtswizbold.com. Thanks to all of our Patreon supporters. We really couldn't do this without you. You can find us at patreon.com slash swizbold if you'd like to support us as well. I would like to especially thank our Fred-level patrons by name right now, Angelo Morano, Arvin Rao, Kira Grushow. Laura Luthi and Mark Hahn, thank you all so much. Also, don't forget, our monthly Patreon live stream will be on Friday, May 8th at 8 p.m. Eastern. That will be this Friday. You can go to patreon.com slash swizzbold to be part of that live event. If you have any questions you want to ask us, Jim will be joining us then as well. Yeah, be looking out for the email that because uh, there's two that go out. One that has the link for just watching it, and one if you are tiger level or above to participate. So if you got any uh, topics that you'd like to submit or any questions you'd like to propound, uh, look for those posts or just go right to your Patreon account at patreon.com/swizzbold, and it should be all uh, under your post history. All right, that's all we got this week, and we will see you soon. 